Welcome to another edition of the Basketball Teacher Podcast. Our mission is to bring you discussions on a wide array of topics in the coaching world to grow players on and off the court. You can connect with us on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter, and also reach us directly through email at basketballteacherpodcast at gmail.com. Now, here's your host, Coach Mike Hernandez. Welcome back, everyone. Thank you guys so much for joining us here for another episode. Whatever platform you're listening to us on, wherever in the world you are listening to us from, thank you guys so much for the support. Really, really appreciate all the kind messages that have been coming through recently, all the likes, retweets, all the interaction on social media, and just sharing this podcast with those who you know would be really interested in it. We got such a deep catalog now as we're into year three that there's so much to listen to. If you're a first-time listener, or even if you're a returning listener, go back in the archives. There, there's there's tons to listen to. And as I've said many times, I love talking uh, culture, program values. I love talking about program building. And we're bringing another one of these to you because it's just so, so important. There's so much great content out there in regards to X's and O's. And obviously, I love talking about that. And we got a lot of episodes on that. But I'm I'm so passionate about talking to coaches and bringing in coaches who who like to talk about the, their values of their program and building their program and leading their program with their staff in the right way that whenever I get a guest who has that as their passion and has that as something they want to talk about, I'm all in. And that's what we're going to bring to you today. So I'm really excited to not only discuss this topic about staying true to your program values, but also get into some other aspects of the basketball game as well, because my Guest is international. He is from Ontario is where he coaches from. So there's going to be a little bit of a different perspective that I know he's going to bring uh, with the way that coaching and the way that the game uh, works over there, as well as just uh, some small little differences between, uh, you know, Canadian basketball and maybe basketball here in the States. So we have the program values topic, as well as some other uh, really fun topics that we're going to touch on and discuss. So this is going to be a real fun one. My guest today is the head coach for the Georgian Grizzlies women's basketball program. Coach Brian Hutton is joining us today. Coach, thank you so much for being here. I know you're a busy man. How are you doing? I, I'm doing well. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to this. Coach, let's go ahead and get started with your coaching and your basketball journey. Where has the game kind of taken you? How did you kind of get into uh, the collegiate side of things? And, and what ultimately led you uh, being the head man at the Georgian Grizzlies team? Yeah, so I started back in Victoria, so uh, Victoria, BC, which is just north of Seattle, Washington. Beautiful. Uh, where I, yeah, yeah <laughs> where, I, where I grew up, um, and I started at the U13 level, just kind of on a whim. It wasn't, I was doing it for the sake of doing it. I got asked to, to coach, and so I did it. Immediately fell in love with the coaching side, um, immediately knew that it was going to be a passion of mine, immediately knew it was, there was going to be goals and aspirations coaching wise so from there I just honestly just became a gym rat I became a sponge I would spend time in anyone's gym that would have me I would sweep the floor pick up garbage fill up water bottles anything I could do hand out towels anything I could do just to be in that gym so I started U13 and then I kind of progressed very systematically so U13 then I moved up to U15 then U17 with that within the the high school and I did grade I think my first school was grade eight and I did grade eight grade nine uh, junior basketball which is grade nine ten then senior varsity which is 10 or sorry 11 and 12 
so from Victoria, I took over two programs in Calgary. So Calgary, Alberta is north of Montana. So I took over two high school programs there. And again, I would just spend time in anybody's gym that would have me, whether it's at the university, at the college, and just work my way up, helping out and coaching with Basketball Alberta, which is our, our provincial program and our provincial teams, things like that, and just getting getting the experience. And I kept moving up as the time was right, and I felt like I was able to to move up to the next level. And that's essentially what got me to exactly where I am here today in, in Barrie, Ontario, and uh, coaching Georgian. I have to ask about all these different stops you've had the way because you've kind of had the, the these these leaps and these jumps and you've kind of moved mm -hmm. into different positions. Mm -hmm. So let me just ask you about what are some things that you think have stayed consistent in terms of your coaching philosophy, regardless of what stop you've been at? Honestly, I think in the years that I've been doing this and looking back, uh, the only consistency that I have, because I really think as coaches, we need to evolve and grow, just like sure. if we ask athletes. So I think, I think there would be a really big problem if I sat here today having the exact same <laughs> philosophy and approach that I did when I first started. We need to evolve and, and grow as the game does. But I think the most consistency for me is I'm a high work ethic guy, and mm -hmm. I'm also a very detail-oriented coach in terms of how we perform on the court. Uh, other things is, is my delivery, uh, the pedagogy, philosophy, things like that have all changed and, and evolved. I actually think it's kind of humorous when I think back of my first civil practices at U13 or when I first started uh, and just uh, how brutal I was and, and <laughs> not, not really understanding, you know, the coaching side of it or the preparation or things like that. So uh, we definitely, definitely have, have evolved over that time. But being detail oriented and understanding that you only really get results after you put in the work. I think that's by far the most mm -hmm. consistent I've been and, and anybody who's played for me or any anybody's coached against me or watches play. I think, I think they would definitely say that as well. That's, uh, that's funny. You, you mentioned that I, I wish I could just kind of go back and just apologize to some of my first groups who I coached <laughs> and taught and just be like, Oh no, I'm sorry. Thank you for listening as much as you did, but Ooh, that, that, those were some tough days. But like you said, there was. I, I look back and I, my first, I think my first season of, of U13, I don't think I put together a single practice plan. I think it was just showing up. And, and we'll talk <laughs> about this when we, when we hit on values because I, I did exactly what I will advise somebody not to do in terms yeah. of program values and development. I did the exact opposite of the advice I would give now. <laughs> Well, that's that's kind of like how you said, right? That's how the journey's supposed to go, where you're supposed to kind of look back at yourself year one and be like, "Ooh, uh oh," <laughs> because yeah. then you've grown so much and learned so much from there. That, like you said, it would be maybe a little bit problematic if uh, mm. not much has changed. And then, so no, that that makes perfect sense. Um, I know that there was a couple couple things that I wanted to bring up, and a couple of things that you were also passionate about, mm -hmm. uh, maybe slightly separate from uh, the topic at hand. I, I wanted to, to to pick your brain and get your thoughts on on one of these topics in particular, which is, I know that you had some thoughts on uh, the importance of a shot clock existing at the high school mm -hmm. and junior high yeah. level. So let me let me ask you about that first. About uh, wh why do you have that passion, or why why do you believe strongly that that is something that should be taking place in the high school and junior high level? Yeah. So the idea of not having a shot clock at high school or even junior high level 
is completely foreign to us up here in Canada. We play with a shot clock from grade eight on, and that's from coast to coast. Uh, we actually play with a 24 second shot clock. Oh, and wow. so, yeah, so, so the idea of playing a game without a shot clock, and I know it's state by state down south there, um, is completely foreign to me. And I actually get a lot of entertainment scrolling through Twitter when there's always a hot topic and uh, some of the coaches I follow or follow me and it comes up on the feed. Some of the arguments against having a shot clock, I think are, are borderline hilarious. Um, the only real one that I, that I see that I think is acceptable is the expense factor and, and how it, it would be an extra cost to, to implement them. But then you come playoff time and you see some of these videos on, on Twitter where uh, an offensive possession is going 90 seconds, two minutes, two and a half minutes. You see some of the final scores, 27, 22, things like that. And I just don't think that that's yeah. basketball. And I think, I think having young people play without a shot clock is doing them a tremendous disservice in their development of the game from a basketball IQ standpoint. It's also doing them a disservice on their development of the game from a defensive standpoint, understanding the game um, and really cheating them out of that experience because the, the gap from varsity to post-secondary and then having to play with a shot clock um, and not understanding how the game's meant to be played, I think that gap is, is too big and I don't think it needs to be there. So like what we have up here is in grade eight, you'll play with a shot clock and there may or may not be a physical shot clock in the gym. But as time goes on, the official will yell out 10 seconds and he'll start or she will, he or she will start counting down in, in their head to, to get the action going. Um, and then once you get to grade nine, there'll be physical shot clocks in every single gym and it's manned by someone at the bench. And that's another one that I see on Twitter a lot that who's going to man it. There's going to be mistakes. Um, I think one of the arguments that I read a lot is that they have enough trouble with the game clock. How are they going to get somebody to be accurate on the shot clock? And the answer to that is very simple. It's uh, that shot clock involves pushing a button. So <laughs> we, we can't, we can't really build it to be this monumental task that nobody can do. We have 12 year olds that run the shot clock up here and they run the shot clock from an early age from 12 or whatever. They make their $10 or $15. And Absolutely, there are mistakes, exactly how there's mistakes on the game clock. So if there's a mistake on the shot clock, say it doesn't get reset, the official helps out, says make sure you reset, reset. And if it's not reset, then they blow the play dead and set the shot clock up. It, it absolutely does happen the same way as, it, as there's mistakes in the game clock. I was at a game uh, last Friday uh, watching a high school game, and I watched the game clock go six seconds after the whistle. So mistakes do happen. It's not perfect, but it's just the developments and the enjoyment uh, for the game is just so much better. And I think you guys go to a 35 or a 30 second shot clock. Yeah, I, I know it is so hard for me to keep up with everything mm -hmm. and, and, and what's going on. That's the joy of 50 states, right? With all 50, yeah. with 50 organizations. We uh, here in Arizona are in the process of implementing a uh 35 second shot cock i believe okay. i think in like california there's like it used to be 30 for girls 35 for boys there used to be like there's a whole lot and it's such right. a 
such a weird concept to keep to keep up with to imagine right. that if you have a team crossing state lines that you might have a shot clock or you might not and and then you know just to kind of add to one of the thoughts that, that that you brought up is i imagine that it has to be for some players who don't have a shot clock to play at the post secondary play at the high school level in mm -hmm. some ways they must be almost learning a whole new game in some sense because this whole new element they've never played with yeah. is now being factored in and it was something they've it was never part of a skill set they ever had to develop until now they're playing at the highest level they've ever played in before yeah. and now there's a shot clock that they have to worry about it fundamentally may change their understanding of the game itself Oh, it completely changes the game. Like we play with a 24 second shot clock, as I mentioned, it gets reset to 14 seconds on an offensive board. And so it just, the, the pace of the game is just so much better. And it's a, it's a high tempo, high pace game, which means the athletes actually get to play basketball. I mean, you can't tell me an athlete standing around timeline running two and a half minutes off the clock. That's not enjoyable for the athlete. That's not enjoyable not for the basketball. people in the stands. It's, it's not enjoyable for the, their kids on the bench who will never ever see game action because there's no need because there there's no fatigue or or anything like that. Um, and so we play with a 14 second reset and we we get more we get tons of kids involved because we have to to play at that pace. When you get tons of kids involved, you get more athletes engaged, and when they're more engaged and they buy into your program because they know going into a game that there's a chance that they can actually play and play significant mm -hmm. minutes. So the benefit of that is you, we have better practices. We're able to hold athletes accountable because if they're not doing what we're asking them to do or they're not being disciplined, then it's next up mentality and there's another teammate who's willing to do that. And so one of our rules is, is if the job's getting done on the floor, there's no need to make changes. So there's a, it creates a real battle for, for PT and, and a real battle for, yeah. for roles and the benefits are just are awesome. Um, like we rebound and run. And by the time we get set up, uh, like with our presses, if, if we can get you to get set up with 16 seconds left or 17 seconds left, that completely changes your offensive mentality. Because then you have you have the fans yelling at you, you know, 10 seconds, 12 seconds, and you're getting panicked and you're making rush decisions. It's it's perfect. So yeah, hundred percent. No, I I I agree. And, and and to put a kind of final my my bow on that is I I just. I can never get on board with the argument that it's the logistics that keep something from happening. I think if it's the right thing to do and it's what the game needs, then you you figure out the logistics and and don't let that be the barrier that keeps something from happening. No, exactly. And like and like I mentioned, like a shock, like it's literally pushing a button. It's not rocket science. And if you just accept the fact that, yeah, there will be discrepancies. And yeah, sometimes it will get reset when it's not supposed to get reset. But the more you implement it, the more you have experienced people or like they gain experience running it, there'll be less and less mistakes and less and less discrepancies. I find the majority of the time when there is mistakes, it's because whoever is running it on the bench, they're either distracted on their phone or there's somebody else hanging out there talking to them. But if you're engaged in watching the game, your finger is just on a button. And you should, you know, probably have a 90, 95% uh, accuracy rate, which is just better for everybody. Yeah, 100%. Uh, yeah, em empower people in your community to be able to flip the flip the switch on and off. <laughs> give yeah, them, give exactly. them the confidence can, to do that. <laughs> yeah, if you can, if you can turn on the lights walking into the room, you can you can run a shot clock. 
Yeah, that's that's awesome. All righty, Coach. Uh, the idea of staying true to your program values. Now, this is kind of interesting to me because I know that um, uh, I'm, uh, you're stepping into into this new role. So you're uh, kind of in the process of also implementing these mm -hmm. values and also making sure that you are staying true to the values that you're implementing here for uh, the Grizzlies program. So let's just kind of talk about your your program values and where did those values that you have um, what are they, and then where did they originate from? Where did where did these values kind of grow out of? Yeah, so we have six values that we we tangibly put on paper that are in all of the athletes' programs. At the beginning of the year, we go through and we talk about each one of our values, what they mean, break it down, how do we implement them, what did they look like, how can we demonstrate it within our actions, and then we kind of start building on top of that. So like our, our values real quick are, are honesty, discipline, servanthood, uh, humility, passion, and unity. And where they came from is just over a period of time, as all coaches do, uh, we beg, borrow, and steal. <laughs> and so I just, I would, I would take them from different programs that I liked. And a lot of them also are a reflection of me and what I find important, because I think one of the most important things when it comes to program values is you have to really believe in them yourself you can't have a, a value in your program that is just there because a successful coach in this community or a su successful coach at that school has it because if you don't believe in it you can't hold athletes accountable and it'll just kind of go by the wayside so a lot of our values are a reflection of, of me and what I believe in and then kind of how we um, implement them or or how it kind of looks on paper is just kind of evolved over time. And so you, you talked about having to believe in those values that you mm -hmm. have. Um, was this something that, um, I, I guess you had to kind of like continually kind of reflect on and kind of think about those values or once you kind of established those principles was it something like this is it like I I, I know that these are always going to be the same or did those values ever kind of change or, or evolve over time or did you kind of stick with the, the, those uh, ones in particular yeah I think they they always you should always spend time in reflection and revisit and ask mm -hmm. if it's if it's serving the purpose that it wants to that it needs to serve they may stay the same or they may change you may alter some of them. Some of our values will, will always be there. Um, a big one for us is honesty. And so that can be a tough one because you can talk about honesty, but when you put it into action, it can be, it can be hard. So yeah. honesty involves us as coaches being honest with the athletes, both positive and negative. So one of the things about playing for me in our program is, is I'm, I'm very passionate, but I'm also very authentic that way. So if I give you a positive, so in, in, in our practice, one of the best things you can get from me is, is a high five. So if you can get a high five from me, you've done something pretty spectacular. And, and even better, if I sprint across the gym to give you that high five, that's even, that's even a bigger compliment. So all of my, anything I, I do in a positive reinforcement way, that's all genuine. That's all me just being honest because those are the, the actions and uh, what, what we want to encourage and see over and over again. But honesty, goes both ways so mm. my my criticism and my correction is also very honest so in both ways athletes know that whatever i'm communicating whether it's positive or negative it's it's really how i how i believe and and does that delivery change 
depending on the athlete, absolutely. Because, you know, we have um, 10 or 12 different athletes, which is 10 or 12 different personalities. And the way I communicate with one is not how I keep communicate with all because they're all motivated differently. But all of that feedback, positive, negative, it's, it's all honesty. And, and sometimes that can really lead to some really, really tough conversations because there's, yeah. there's some tough conversations that happen throughout the season where they need to be honest. And it's, it's not great. It's not fun for us as coaches. It's not fun for the athlete to be on the receiving end of it. But unfortunately, it's things that need to happen to help the program go in the direction it needs to go for success. So it goes, it goes both ways. But I, 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 honesty will definitely be one that will stick out, stick with us forever. Um, and another one will be uh, a servanthood as well. We really believe in, in making your teammates better, but we kind of expand servanthood. So not only do we want to make them better on the basketball court, but we also want to make them better and support them academically and away from the basketball court. So sometimes that looks like just reminding a teammate what our game day dress is, reminding a teammate uh, to bring the, the proper hoodie or the proper shirt, just checking in on them. Uh, these are athletes checking in on athletes about how they're doing academically, if they need any help this way, if their body language is down, they look like they, they could use a, a quick pick-me-up chat, things like that. So we always want to be checking in and, and serving our, our teammates uh, to making sure that they're okay and, and making sure that it's happening not just on the basketball court because that's kind of the easy way, but uh, off the basketball court as well. Yeah, and and that's – was going to kind of lead into uh you know my next my next question for you and you mentioned the honesty part about you know mm -hmm. for a lot of a lot of coaches right it's it's easy to have your your values and it's easy to have like these are the things that are important to the program mm -hmm. and 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 these are the things we're going to follow through on but you know like like any good you know rule or value or whatever the case may be it's only as as good as it is when it stands up to being tested or challenged in any yeah. way and so mm -hmm. that's what i was going to ask you about those values and then you kind of talked about it with the honesty piece about have they have you found that either um, maybe they've been tested based on, you know, things you've done yourself that have had to like test your own values, or have they been tested by external forces? Like what was that process of when, you know, the values for your program get either questioned or tested? And mm -hmm. when that happened, how, how did you kind of respond or how did the, how did those values hold up to that, to that scrutiny or that questioning? Yeah. Well, if you're not willing to hold true to your values, and you're willing to cave on them under pressure or cave on them because it's an uncomfortable situation, then that's really not one of your program values. If you're willing, yeah. if you're willing to throw it by the wayside that quickly, then clearly it's not something that you believe in. And so if you're not willing to put it into action, then it can't be part of your, uh, part of your, your values. So, I mean, our, our values get, get, uh, I don't want to say challenged or tested, but on a daily basis, we are, um, holding true to our values. Mm -hmm. So another one of ours is, is passing. And we really believe that uh, you need to arrive every day with, with a path and, and, a, and an enthusiasm to compete and enthusiasm to get better and enthusiasm to, to serve your, your teammates. And we challenge that every single day. Uh, today we, we were in practice and we had a, we started practice and our energy was just fantastic. One of our things is, is we want to have more energy, in our stretching than, than teams have in their entire practice. So we have pretty high standards in terms of, in terms of energy and we expect everybody to be an energy giver, not an energy taker. And so we started practice out fantastic. And so before we got into our first drill right after our stretching, um, I gave them props for that and told them how great our energy is and let's make sure we keep it up. But then our energy dipped uh, two or three drills later, our energy kind of dipped. And so 
we had to remind them like where's our energy we have to bring it back up and and we really challenge our 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 leadership so our our captains um you know I, I i hold them to a pretty high standard and so i told them uh before they accepted their role as as captain kind of these are my terms and they're non-negotiable and uh one of the terms is uh, everything's your fault at practice so if our energy's bad it's your fault if your teammate is having bad body language and, and is struggling that day, it's your fault. So everything is, is always our leadership's fault at practice and we hold them accountable that way. So I challenge them to bring our energy right back up and, mm -hmm. and they step up to it and they and they do that. So all our values are, are challenged each and every day. And and another one being, being humility. And we're talking right now about kind of what we want in our, our attitude in our locker room versus our attitude outside of our locker room. So we want to develop a little bit of a swagger and a little bit of, of, of confidence in our locker room, but then that's when it's just us. But then when we leave our locker room, being humble and recognizing who we are because our values may not be the same values as another team. Another team may get do things differently, but we need to stay true to us. And so humility, knowing who we are is really important, but we also want to have that little bit of swagger in the locker room where we know if we show up and we execute and we play the, the type of game that we want to play, that we should expect to be successful. So it's kind of finding that balance and, and humility is a, another one that we, we talk about all the time. And I, and I think that that's kind of maybe a good, uh, a good point about the idea of like being tested. It, it may not be mm -hmm. necessarily things about that. You think about your, your values being tested, but almost in the way that you worded that answer, like how are your values like evident, right. In the, in the, mm -hmm. in the thing that, in the things that you're doing, like, it makes me think of like, you know, values that maybe I've heard of, or maybe I've thought about before that were important to me, but then, you know, on, upon further reflection, thinking about like, how do those values actually manifest themselves in practices or in game situations? Like, how do they, how are they shown so that they're connected? The words that I say are important, or we as a program say are important. Like, what do those actually look like? Or what do those actually mean in a mm -hmm. practice type situation? And I think that that's kind of like a good good way to think about it is like where, where, where's like the evidence that those values are even like yeah. prevalent in your program right and we we do that all the time as coaches uh we need to demonstrate our values on, on a daily and then then our athletes do it as well and, and i'm really really lucky this year i, I kind of walked into this this situation not knowing any of the the personnel or things like that and and i have such a great group in terms of athletes in a short period of time that have bought into our culture and have bought into our values. Uh, we have a tremendous captain in, uh, in Kiana who, who has to sometimes have tough conversations with, with her teammates and, and hold them accountable, which, you know, as a, as a young adult, isn't always the most comfortable situation, but at the college level, I mean, great teams, athletes hold athletes accountable, right? If it's always yeah. the, the coaches holding athletes accountable, then, then we, have, we have problems. You can be a good team, but you can't be a great team. And then so we, we demonstrate that, or sorry, they demonstrate that on a daily. Last week, one example that, that comes to mind is, is they were uh, up in the uh, up cooling down and getting their, their static stretch, and I popped into the room, shared in one of our, one of our freshmen, just out of nowhere and on her own accord started giving props um, to one of, one of her teammates and just, you know, gave her genuine feedback that she thought she had a really, really good practice, thought she did a lot of things really well and things like that. And that was, that was 
what Sheridan did at the moment because that's what she wanted to do and, and she reflects our our values that way. So that was a great moment for me last week, just mm-hmm. seeing that that they're they're doing it on their own they're on their own, whether I'm in the room or not. So we have I'm so lucky in, in the group that we have. We have we have great leadership and we have great athletes who demonstrate what we want to do both on and off the court on an absolute daily basis. And it makes my job tremendously easier. When we have our our captains, you know, Canon and Janella and, and Corey, when when they're holding their teammates accountable, do you know how much easier my job just got? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right? So and it means it, so much to when when it's the players enforcing them and 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 holding each other accountable. Yeah. Well, it's what is it? Uh, October third. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure when we've been going at it two training camps in the summer plus September. I'm pretty sure they're already tuning me out. So <laughs> uh, it, it needs to be someone else's voice. But we're I'm so so lucky with with the group that we that we have here and and just their their belief in our values and and they're willing to to back it up and and hold it accountable. And it comes to the point where they're very protective over our culture and very protective over our values. So, you know, they're not willing just to let anybody in, um, you know, as we go and recruit 23s, they definitely want to be a part of the vetting process and, and make sure that, that we're bringing in high quality, high character athletes to, uh, to add to our culture. So it's, it's awesome. Yeah, no, that, that, that's excellent. And so let, let me ask how that, how these values that you just mentioned, mm-hmm. how do that, how do those translate into what you, what you like to do on the court in terms of X's and O's, I guess this is a great question, right? How are your values yeah. and what you do? So in terms of what you like to run, I know, I know we mentioned off air that, that you like to, you like to really put pressure on and you like to get up and down the court. Yeah. And I know that was one thing. So, so how do these values uh, show themselves uh, in your offense and defensive uh, philosophy? Yeah. So just, I mean, just going down some of our values, I mean, every single one of them relates onto the court. Cause so we want to get up and press you 94 feet. We want to pressure the basketball every chance we get. Uh, we want to up the tempo. We want to pressure you in the half court and, and kind of corral you into traps and things like that. So you can't do that unless you have discipline. So one of our values is discipline and discipline is just simply doing what you're supposed to do when you're supposed to do it. So if we're going to get up and we're going to really press the basketball, we got to make sure that our back rotation is there. if We're pressing 94 feet. So because if, if they get out of it or if there's a, a reversal, we got to make sure that there's a there's there's help side there. So then we can uh, get up and, and, and pressure that basketball because you can't pressure the basketball if you're worried about getting beat or you're worried about you know, help side not being there, your teammates not being there. So, so discipline's a, a huge part of that. Mm-hmm. Also passion. You can't, if you don't have passion, you can't defend. I mean, on the defensive end, defense takes, compared to the offensive end, defensive defense takes very little skill. All it is, is, is heart. It's just, you have a heart, you have a desire to be a factor defensively. You have a desire to, to outwork. You have a desire to be where you're supposed to be when you're supposed to be there. And it's just it's just effort on the defensive end. So you can't do that without passion. Like I see so many great teams out there, and they're they have all this talent on their roster, but they just they just kind of go through the motion. They don't. There's no passion. There's no there's no like that special spark. Yeah, and it's just it's just a, a complete waste. So you know, being passionate, you have to be passionate about what we do. And I and a big part of that is is understanding what we want to do in the full court and what we want to do in the half court and understanding what we're willing to give up. Cause one of our things is, is the defense is always wrong. And so, um, but that's one of our mentalities on the offensive end. So on the defensive end, we know that we're in a disadvantage. We know that getting up and pressing you is a gamble. We know that you can, you can reverse and move that basketball faster than we can recover. So understanding that we, under, we know when and where we can jump gaps or, or when we can dig and corral or do things like that. So 
uh, being passionate. And, and another one of ours is, is unity. Um, you can't you can't press five on three. You can't press five on four, right? So so if you're if we're not um, together as as a unit and everybody's focusing on, on their job and their job alone, you can't play the way we want to play, mm-hmm. right? So um, every single one of our our values kind of work into exactly how we want to play. Um, and the idea of, of servanthood. So one of our, our rules is we have to acknowledge the past. We have we have a tremendous uh, point guard in, in Janela who just makes some jaw dropping uh, passes and, and she just makes her teammates shine. And so making sure that we're giving recognition for that, for, you know, a quick point to the to the passer to make sure that we get props that way. So um, they all work in into our, our style of play. Um, especially, you know, with the discipline, the servanthood, the humility, uh, passion, unity, that's, I mean, that's, that's Georgian Grizzly gospel right there. And that's what we're, that's what we're trying to do. When you were uh, looking to bring, bring those values over mm-hmm. to, to the Georgian Grizzlies club, how much did you find, uh, I guess, I guess a better question would be, was, was the buy-in factor, did it, did it seem to be like pretty, pretty immediate? I get the sense that it was like they, they, they were, they were kind of on board with the message and they kind of like knew, kind of knew what those values were and how they manifested. Did you find that, 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 that the program and, and everyone kind of embraced that fully right away? Yeah. So it, it, I mean, it all, as they're, they're, they're completely bought in and they believe in our values. And as much as I can sit here and pretend like it was, it was all me and, you know, I have this great uh, <laughs> way of communicating. It really isn't like, yeah. like Kiana and Corey were, have been with us since, since I was hired back in January, February. Uh, and I just can't say enough great things about them because they bought in. They're both tremendously, um, tremendously gifted athletes. And, and, you know, they both have the ability to be some of the best players in the province this year and some of the best players in our league. They bought in right away. And so when, when, when your top players buy in and they are demonstrating it on a, on a daily, again, it just makes my job so much easier. And now it is just an expectation. But then we have athletes who may not have a, a leadership title, but, you know, the example I gave you about Sheridan last week, giving one of her teammates props for having a good practice. Uh, when your top players buy in, and then other athletes buy in because they, whether it's because they buy in or they just, they just believe in it. Um, that's when you start to get something really, really special that way. I, I really don't believe like where we are today on October 3rd. Uh, we are definitely farther ahead in the process than where I thought we'd be when, when I was first hired. But that is, I got to give credit to both Ken and Corey on that one because they've been a, a big part of controlling that locker room and, and having our standards and things like that. So it really started I mean as much as I, I can I can have these as our standards and I can have these as our values but if you get pushback from your best players then then you're in trouble and, and yeah. you're 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 completely going uphill so um and then we had a, a Janella out on board came to us from uh, from UTM and and she you know buys in right away and she's a great voice in our locker room and and every single one of our athletes regardless of their skill set or their role in our team demonstrate what we do each and every day but mm-hmm. again when you're when, when you're top players and the two that have been there since the beginning with me uh, when they had buy-in from day one like, that 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 was by far the catalyst of us being where we're at right now yeah and I think it's important to kind of realize that as a coach that when he's kind of in, in your case kind of step into a new role and you and you and you have like uh, you know these values that are important to you personally as a coach like to to remember that 
you know, there, there, there's a pretty good possibility that that these players, like these concepts or these values are not necessarily going to be foreign ideas to them or things they've never yeah. heard of before. And that you already have players who probably, and hopefully a lot of them that already exemplify many of these. And, mm -hmm. it, and it's not necessarily something where it's like, oh, they, they don't know what it means to be held accountable or, or what yeah. honesty means, right? Almost like kind of like giving your players a little bit of credit for understanding mm -hmm. what some of these things are and have already learned and already demonstrate. And it was in, yeah and it was important to, for us so we actually sat down in one of our team meetings for mm -hmm. an hour hour and a half however long it was and went through every single one of our values and we defined them by our standards and then we showed what does it look like and how, how can our actions reflect this so it, we we actually went through and, and did all that and i think that's really important because our our definition of honesty and discipline and servanthood could be completely um different from a different program's definition it doesn't mean that ours is right and theirs is wrong it's just a different different definition of it so uh, i think that really helped and i really think that uh, one of the things that i think is important when you're in a new role or any new athlete comes whether you're a freshman or a transfer or whatever it is uh, just taking the time to develop those positive relationships and, and taking the time to figure out what makes those athletes tick and and once they once they know a little bit more about you and they know that you have their best best interests at heart and you want them to be successful academically and, and athletically uh, having that strong relationship is really important and that's another catalyst to having full buy-in because whether they agree or disagree or they're taking more time because they're unsure they're still going to give you the benefit and have buy-in like i had a conversation with corey last week uh, and some of our defensive philosophies are different than how she was taught and, and how she was brought mm -hmm. up so uh she even she told me she has full buy-in now what we want to do in the defensive end but she she was very honest again part of our value she was very honest and said i was unsure of it at the beginning until i saw it in action and but she said she was committed to it uh in a passionate way because she had trust in me that we were doing the right things and then now she has full buy-in for what we want to do on the defensive end uh, which is really good but if, I don't think if we took the time to develop that relationship to earn her trust, I mean, and she has every right to to wait and see how it how it looks and the application of it. But um, she gave us the benefit that way because she knew that we were trying to do the right things uh, for us to be successful. So, and I also think it was great that she was able to to tell me that in in retrospect. So we kind of we kind of had a, a, a laugh that way, but now now we have full buy in that way, which is. Uh, better for us on the defensive end, right? So and then and I just was thinking as you're going for that conversation about, you know, her like not necessarily having like the hundred percent buy-in first or hundred percent trust needing to have that conversation. I think that, you know, something for high school coaches, but then especially uh those at the collegiate level to, you know, always kind of keep in mind, right? Is that how many coaches mm -hmm. that these players have already had before they get to you and and you don't know like what they've they've learned before or who they've already trusted or whose ideas that they've already like are, are fully bought into and believe like at some point you know mm -hmm. especially if you have coaches or players who've been on multiple club teams and played for multiple years by the time it, i'm sure they get to collegiate level you might be somewhere between like the 10th and 15th coach they've had and yeah. you know you almost got to kind of prove yourself a little bit to them because you know they've already come Probably if they're playing at the collegiate level, most likely they've probably come through a, a stretch of pretty solid coaches at some point. And, you know, they kind of want to know what you're about and just make sure that like you're, you're, you're about that. And before, 
then after that conversation, like you said, happens and it's like, okay, we're good now. But you know, that, that trust isn't necessarily going to be a hundred percent given, especially the higher level or higher caliber of the player who's probably had so many coaches before that. Yeah. See, it's important to recognize that because they're going to go through other coaches who they've had positive relationships with coaches that they've had a negative experience with um, different philosophies, different things that way. So some of them can come pretty cautious and some of them may come with a little bit of uh, baggage that way. So, and that again, goes right back to my initial thought of just taking the time to develop that relationship and develop that, that trust. And they know that you want them to be successful, especially where they're playing about so much basketball now and it's, it's yeah. AU or it's club or it's this or that. And, you know, they're, they're not always positive experiences. We, no. have, a, we have a tremendous kid right now who's, who's with us, who, I mean, we just, we just adore. She's like one of the, the uh, best defenders I've, I've ever, I've ever coached. So um, she's, she's generally enthusiastic about, about defending, which is, you know, that's, that's, that's any that's day of the week. Way, I'll take that. Yeah. That, that's a quick way to win me over, but you know, she definitely had some, some negative experiences uh, previously. Yeah. So we're, we're working on, on, on building her confidence up and building her back up that way. So it's, yeah, it's, it's t- taking the time, but the more, the more you know about those situations, the more you, you can help and the more you can understand why they may react in a certain way, or you can kind of change your dialogue and change your communication with them in a way that where they can get the honest feedback, but it can be delivered in a way that um, helps them be more successful in, in the future, right? Because I mean, again, every member of our team has their own personality, is their own person, has different experiences, different playing uh, experiences, positive and negative. So, you know, you gotta, you gotta figure out what's, what's best for them. Cause at the end of the day, our goal is to, to win basketball games and that's what we wanna do. So whatever we need to do to get our athletes playing, uh, at a high level and meeting meeting their potential yeah in, in that situation everybody's going to win funny little quick story that this just reminded me of i was actually talking to a coach this must have been a couple months ago and uh she's big into pack line like pack line is like mm-hmm. is, is her bread and butter that's what she that's what she's all about and she was actually t- we were talking about how she got a player recently and was trying to, you know, get get her into the pack line system and, and everything. And, and this player in particular, she was really, um, she was just like really resistant, really kind of like not really buying in and really hesitant. And it turns out through a conversation, this coach found out that her previous coach had tried to do pack line. And this player just did not have a good relationship with that coach. The pack mm-hmm. line, I don't think worked at all. And mm-hmm. I think that honestly may have just like triggered some like, you know, basketball PTSD and her yeah. you have to be running that sort of system. But that's something you would never know, right? Unless you had that conversation and you understood that experience that they had and that it was like, you know, that's it's got to take a little bit more trust, especially if you've maybe had some really bad experiences with something in, in the past. And it can be it can be tough. It can be tough that way. I mean, whether it's a defensive philosophy or an offensive philosophy. Mm-hmm. I've had um, athletes in the past back in Calgary who before coming to me, uh, she was just completely broken from this club program. Um, we we kind of developed her in, into a tremendous shooter of basketball. But at the beginning, she would pass up so many open looks. And I think I think there's this story that she keeps telling me, or her parents tell me that you know one of our first games, she was on the floor and she kept passing up open looks. So I kind of yelled at her. I said, if you're going to shoot the basketball, you're going to come off. Um, and then, so then she started shooting the basketball, but it turns out that she was a previous coach, like banned her from shooting it and she was not allowed to shoot the basketball. 
And so that was to, to kind of break that experience. But, but knowing that kind of made me understand of, of why she was so hesitant that way. And so once we, once we broke that habit and we had that trust and then she got more confidence by the time she was in grade 12, her senior year, she was just a tremendous, tremendous shooter. And I think, I think one of her, I think she dropped 46 one game. So nice. yeah, it was, yeah. Casual but, 46. There you yeah, go. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but just, you know, just the experience of being told not to shoot like, and, and that's another thing about, about athletes and, and, and young athletes, you can, you can say, you can say 15 positive things to them in practice and you can pump their tires on 15 different occasions, but one negative of, of missing a rotation or missing a drop or missing this, they'll leave practice thinking about that one negative correction rather than the 15 times that you sat there and pumped their tires and, and told them what a great job they were doing. So I think that kind of stuck with her as well in that situation. Yeah. And, and, and you never know as a coach, what that one thing you say yeah. is going to be the one that sticks with them and that's why I've been and I'm not always perfect but I've really tried to work on I know for me personally about what I say or sometimes don't say out of frustration because I know that like that one thing that I just say off the cuff that could be that could be it that could be the thing that player remembers their whole time with me and yeah I want to no, make sure exactly. that's a positive one and not yeah, yeah. And, and and again just going back to developing those relationships like like the way I communicate with with our leadership and the way I communicate you know I'm not a really a big not really a big yelling coach I'm, I'm very passionate so i'm loud through passion um and i'm not really big into you know i'm really big into to kind of I'll, I'll be the first one to tell you when it's when it's wrong and it needs correction but as soon as you make that correction i will be the biggest cheerleader i will sprint that floor and give you that high five and, and, and give you props i'll be the first one to do that so but but the way i, I deliver my feedback to say our captain Ken is completely different than i the way i deliver my feedback to somebody else because you know, we've developed that relationship and, and I know that I can be very blunt and straightforward with her where another athlete, I might need to, might need to give it the old sandwich technique and, and <laughs> throw that, throw that negative in between two slices of positivity. So. Yeah. And, and like you said, just comes down to knowing your players, knowing, knowing exactly. who you got on your team. No, absolutely. Uh, speaking yeah. of which, these values that you talked about, what, what do you mm -hmm. do to personally, kind of hold yourself accountable or, or is there a way that you kind of check yourself or others check you? I know we've kind of touched on it a little bit, but mm -hmm. when it comes to your own kind of reflection on whether you are holding yourself true to these values, what is it you kind of do as a coach? Yeah. So we need to hold each other accountable. So um, our athletes are able to hold me accountable. I'm, I'm probably the most uh, unegotistical uh, college head coach that you've ever, you've ever come across. Uh, I'm not, I'm no better than anybody else. I'm, I'm, I'm equal to everybody in the room. Uh, so if I'm not meeting our standards, then I definitely need to be held accountable and, and they know that. And, um, I think it was I, one of our rules is that, uh, three people are not allowed to have a bad practice. The, the head coach, your captain and your point guard, those, those three are, are not allowed to have a bad practice. And so was it last week or the week before I can, I can, I can humbly say, uh, I, I did not have a very good practice. And so uh, Kiana held, held me accountable. And, and I was like, yeah, no, absolutely. And so uh, I, I stepped up and, and kind of needed that, that from her. It's just, it's just that time of year where you have a million and one different things going on and your headspace is here or there. So, um, you know, they, they can hold me accountable all the time. 
but I think it all starts with myself as well and making sure I, I demonstrate all of our values uh, day in and day out on the court, away from the court, things like that. So, you know, if I'm if I'm not holding true, then I can't really hold our, our athletes accountable, right? We can't have a, a two-tiered system and mm-hmm. we can't we can't be hypocrites that way. So they they know and depending on what who the athlete is and, and our relationship, um, they can always you know, hold me accountable. I want them to hold all of the coaches accountable. It's the same way we're going to hold them accountable. So again, it's, it's always a two-way street, right? And so um, I, I, I will never ask our athletes to do something that I'm not willing to do myself, right? So yeah. I, and one, what, what, one of our standards is, is we leave our, our area in better condition than when we, were, when we arrived. So, you know, I'm not too good to push a, push a broom. I'm not too good to pick up trash. I'm not too good to you know, pick up empty water bottles or, or things like that. So, um, absolutely, I, I have to I have to demonstrate it um, on on a daily. Yeah, and and I think that it's it's very easy. I think sometimes, and I've I've fallen into this trap before, and and where where you sometimes think that it's uh, your program, and so you kind of lord over everyone from above, and mm-hmm. like you're holding everyone else accountable, or you know mm-hmm. these are the things you all do, and I'm just gonna you know give you directions and, and give you uh, assignments of what you have to get done versus like you being willing you got to do these things too like you whatever you say out there like yeah you have to be showing it you have to demonstrate it like it's like you said right don't be too good to push a broom or you know any yeah. of the standards you hold for anyone else like you got you got to hold true to them as well and i think that that's you know i think that's a good reflection tool for a lot of coaches to think about like those those values or those responsibilities or things that you want your your players to do you always have to make sure you're asking like am i willing to do that like is that something i'm willing to hold myself accountable and follow through on as well because if there's a disconnect there then i think uh, i think some some big time reflection might be needed to ha- be taking place well i think if there's a disconnect there i think you're you're going to lose your locker room and you're, you're going to we'll find out real um, quick if you're not about yeah, that yeah because you know, if you're not willing to, you, you can't uh, have one set of standards for the athletes and then have a completely different set of standards because, I mean, the old, your actions speak louder than your words. You can't say one thing and then demonstrate something else. It doesn't work. And so if you kind of start doing those things, you're going to lose your locker room. You're going to lose uh, trust and you're going to lose the ability to hold them accountable because, um, you know, especially at my level, I'm dealing with young adults who who are empowered to have a voice and empowered to, to, mm-hmm. to be strong female athletes and so if if i'm not demonstrating it then where's my credibility right i've lost all credibility uh, as a leader and i've lost our locker room so um if and i'm you're not probably not to, getting it back either no you absolutely the only way you're getting it back is if you get a whole new roster or you change schools um it's 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 i mean it's, it's just not going to work so if you're not willing to demonstrate it yourself by what you're physically doing in your demonstration then it shouldn't be a part of your your values because um, you know athletes can can see fake from a mile away and uh, that fake isn't good. Yeah, no, hundred percent, hundred percent agree. Uh, coach, what it what advice would you give to a new coach who may be just starting out if they're looking to try and you know forge their own identity, establish kind of establish some values, and not only establish mm-hmm. them but maintain those values. Uh, throughout their their tenure what what advice would you kind of give for a new coach if they're kind of looking for a place to kind of lay the groundwork and get started with that yeah I think I think it's important to find things that are important to you as a person as a human being um, because that's the, that's the easiest 
place to start because it's something that you're already passionate about and something you already believe in. It's going to be very easy to not only implement, but it's going to be very easy to uphold. Um, I think one of the biggest mistakes you can make is taking on a value that you're just taking it on because a coach from a successful program, that's one of their values. So you're like, that must be a great value. I need to bring it into my program. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But if you're not passionate about it and you don't believe in it, you can't have it because you won't you won't uphold it and you won't demonstrate it. And so that value actually won't have value at all. And yeah. it'll just kind of go by the wayside. So so I, I really encourage anybody who's who's looking to kind of gather values and, and kind of have a foundation of a program, find things that are important to you. And I mean, as coaches, we, we beg, borrow and steal. So, I mean, nothing I have is I'm not reinventing the wheel. I got it from somewhere who they got it from somewhere else, but you have to really believe in, in what it is and don't just do it because, you know, Gino at, at UConn does this, or, or, you know, you read that Pat Summit does that you, you need to really believe in it. And so sometimes that may take time and sometimes your values, you may only have one or two to start, but then over the course of a couple seasons or your career, you start developing into, you know, five or six, and then you re uh, revisit and you start making changes. So find things that are important to you, but be authentic and be genuine. Cause again, the athletes can, can see right through fake. So I was going to say, I think that's a good point of like, you don't, don't feel like you got to come in and have like 25 different things you put on a list. Right. And, yeah. and, and have that, like have the couple uh, that, that, you know, are, are absolutely essential to you. And, mm -hmm. and I think, I think kind of like, make sure that you're, you're, you're doing those first, right. Make sure you're completely doing those one or two that you have yeah. set out. And then you can kind of build the layers on top of it is kind of how I kind of look at that, your response there. Yeah, no, I mean, Rome wasn't built in a day. So it's easier to have two or three values that you can um, uphold and that you can demonstrate on a daily because you, you care about them and you're passionate. And then once those get implemented, then you can add a couple more values or you come across something else that you believe in. It's no different than implementing your systems at the beginning of the season. You know, you and I were having a conversation where, you know, for our first preseason game, we wanted to have, we had a list of things we wanted implemented and then we're going to wait. And then over Christmas, we'll implement more and all eventually we'll be ready to go come March. The exact same thing. So have your two or three values and get really good at those where it's not the coaching staff who's holding them accountable. As soon as athletes hold athletes accountable, that's, that's really when, when you're onto something. So, yeah. And then at that point we can, we can add some more, but just find things that you're, you're, you're you generally are enthusiastic about and authentic. Uh, I think authenticity is, is just so important in, in coaching. Yeah, no, I, no, I, I agree. Like you don't, you don't don't be an echo of someone else as you mentioned earlier like yeah. that that doesn't that 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 that's not going to hold much weight and mm -hmm. it's going to i think it's going to become really evident throughout the course of a season if that's just like somebody else's words that you actually don't believe that or that's not something you care about and yeah. then again like we just talked about right if if you don't come across as authentic and that gets exposed like how do you recover from that like you, if, lose, if, all, you lose all credibility and when you have no credibility i mean it's just like our our trust it takes a tremendous amount of time to establish trust and establish a, a deep level of trust. Yeah. But that trust can be broken in one decision. And, and once it's broken, it's, there's, there's no going back from it. So it's the exact same thing. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, coach, before we hit our, our concluding segment, here's a couple, couple topics. I know that, that, that you're passionate about and mm -hmm. one that, uh, 
I'm going to be very happy to hear you talk about. I'll, I'll start. <laughs> I'll start with the. Uh, let's talk about the FIBA games. So, so on, on the international level, obviously the game is played a little bit differently than it is mm-hmm. uh, in, in the states, or as you might say, down south. <laughs> um, yeah. What 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 are your thoughts, kind of on, on on the FIBA game and the way that 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 that's played? What 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 do you like about it? Are there, there are parts you think that this should be implemented? What 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 do you kind of see overall uh, with, with the FIBA rules of basketball? Yeah. So I think I mean I'm I love the FIBA game. I love the style of play it produces, um, a very, very European style of play. Uh, it's, it's just a tremendously uh, fun and exciting way to play. So, so for those uh, listeners that don't know, so, so in FIBA, as mentioned before, we play with a 24-second shot clock. We play with a 14-second reset on offensive boards. Uh, one of the big ones for us that really helps us uh, from a defensive standpoint in pressing is eight seconds in the backcourt. So you only have eight seconds to cross timeline. Uh, which really, really helps helps us if you're a defensive-minded coach that way. Uh, a couple other uh, changes is you can only call timeouts on dead balls uh, through the table. So athletes on the floor cannot call timeouts. You cannot bail yourself out with a timeout. You have to play out the play until there's a whistle, and then you can be granted a timeout through the whistle. Um, in the last two minutes, you can advance the ball from uh, baseline to if you have a timeout, you can call a timeout, and you can you can either keep the ball at the opposing baseline and play with a full 24 second shot clock or you can advance it and you play with a 14 second shot clock mm. so those are th- those are some of the um some of the difference we have a wider key so we have the same wide key as you'll see in the nba and we also have a farther out three-point line uh, which opens up gaps for us to be able to attack rim um, and another unique one is in the second half uh, sorry, in the, in the fourth quarter of the second half, you are given three timeouts. You have three timeouts for the second half. In the fourth quarter, if you don't use your, if you don't use a timeout before the final three minutes, you lose it. So you only have two timeouts left from three minutes down. So it's, it's a definitely, I mean, taking all that into account, it's a completely different uh, game. We, we rebound and run um, a lot of quick hits, a lot of, uh, one of our things that we do is just hunt, paint, kick, uh, hunt, paint, kick, one more, secondary penetration, hunt, paint, kick, one more. Uh, we get up and press, we, we, you know, especially with the eight seconds on the backcourt. And even it completely changes the outlook of what a successful press is. So we can have a successful press. And to us, sometimes that means just having the offensive team set up with, you know, 15, 14 seconds to go in the shot clock. And, and we were able to take 10 seconds off, which is a huge advantage for us. So so what do you um, what do you think this this does that elevates uh, players and elevates the game more than the you know the traditional rules you might see uh, like in a typical like American high school setting? What do what do you think this helps players grow in? Well, everything you do with a twenty four second shot clock better have a purpose. <laughs> you, yep. better, you if you're going to put the ball down, it better be with purpose. So uh, we we call them p dribbles, so a pointless dribble. So you know, no, no, no P dribbles. So you, when you catch it, so there's no, there, you have to do all your thinking before you catch the basketball. So you have to already read where the defender is. Are they behind you? Or are they in front of you? Uh, when you catch the basketball, you have to know what your footwork, footwork is going to be, whether you're going middle penetration or baseline penetration. Uh, you're not catching the basketball and scanning and thinking. You're doing all of that work and gathering all that information before you catch the basketball so as soon as you catch the basketball you're either going to shoot it you're going to pass it or you're going to put the ball on the floor and hunt paint 
So there's no there's no catching and thinking and scanning. You catch, you dribble, you catch, you shoot, you catch, you pass. And so you you have to take in all that information, reading the defense on where your advantage is and then attacking it that way. So in terms of your basketball IQ, you are going to develop basketball IQ that way because you're going to have a better understanding of the game mm -hmm. and being able to make those quick athletic decisions right away, where I think right now sometimes what you see is they catch the basketball and then they start scanning and then they start uh, scouting <laughs> information to try sure. and find yeah, out. Yeah, yeah but we, we try and create a, an advantage uh, off dribble penetration. And then once we create that advantage and, and the defense is chasing us, that ball never stops. Uh, it's penetrate, kick one more, penetrate, kick one more until we get the shot that we're looking for. So with that, the the IQ, it's it's a lot of fun to press. The pressing is, for some reason, oh, when sure. you press, when you press and you're creating turnovers and you're getting lands, fatigue never seems to play a factor. Uh, where where on the other end, where you know you can get tired when you're chasing people down or things like that, and so it's a real fun way to play. Uh, it's also a way where your natural athleticism is going to shine, uh, and it's also a way where multi-sport athletes so one of the greatest um athletes that that we can have if, if somebody comes into our gym and says they grew up playing soccer like their footwork is going to be fantastic their their concept of spacing is going to be fantastic things like that so it, it really allows for athletic, like natural athleticism to really shine through um and then you know that a lot of athletes are going to get in the game because you can't play at that pace for 40 minutes uh, you, we're going to have to get people in the game, and that just completely changes your locker room. And people, athletes know if they work hard and they earn their minutes, there's a chance you can't play the way we want to play. Go on six or seven rotations, it's just it just it's physically mm -hmm. impossible, right? So it, it changes it, it that way. More get involved. It's just a real, real fun way to play. Uh, getting up and down the floor, uh, defending things like that, and plus the game is never over because you know you can. You can come back from, say, three or four possession game uh, late in the fourth. You know, if you go uh, score, stop, score, depending yep. on kind of kind of what you're getting out of that. So yeah, the game yeah. is never really never really over. And even at the end, you know, how I talked about, you can advance the ball. We can only advance the ball with 14 seconds left. Like your shot clock goes down to 14 seconds. So you know, at times you can you can get the ball back, and and so it's never really over. And if you have the three ball, you're never out of it. As, as we talked about, uh, you know, and, and you mentioned off air about uh, some of the things about the the shot clock, right? The stall ball that can take place oh. without it. Like, <laughs> yeah. I have, I have no, I have zero desire to be in in a game where a stall ball is a is a tactic. I, I have no desire to be in the gym. <laughs> yeah, tactic. yeah, right. Or yeah. probably even the in in a state or province that does that yeah. either, right? Or or, or yeah. the hemisphere. <laughs> where, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so. I, I love the I love the uh, and the things you were talking about. Uh, just the the, the the cerebral aspect, and I and I think I love mm -hmm. the uh, decision making process. And as you mentioned, like the decisions that have to be made before like anything's even happening. You know, just yeah. that aspect of the game, and just getting that really rewarding, like that high IQ and 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 that that good decision making, and 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 those smart. Uh, you know, quick reaction skills or being able to assess something mm -hmm. right away and then everything like that. Like to me, that's, that's just the kind of the beauty of basketball when you combine yeah. all of the athletic feats versus all of the mental decisions. And then not only you make, but your players are also responsible for being able to monitor and adjust and react to and throughout it, a game. Like that's it it also completely changes your, your 
practice structure and, and how you're teaching it and the whole pedagogy side of it because mm-hmm. you know at a younger age and even for us at college like we do very little five on five in practice uh we do a lot of three on three stuff four on four stuff where we put them in situations where they can make these decisions and they can they can make decisions uh so when they catch the basketball they know where their advantage is and they know where they want to attack uh to keep that one second advantage and to keep that ball going so we we do a lot of uh, three on three and four and four stuff. And that's something at the younger ages, especially whether it's mini ball or, you know, U10 or U13 or U14 is a big push within the FIBA game uh, to not even play five on five to, to start out playing three on three and, and four on four and working their way up to five on five. I like um, that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a, it's a real can't, big push. Can't in hide. That. In that yeah, sense. exactly. So um, it's a real big push that way, but um, you know, international basketball. And I think, I think with what, even what we're doing up here in Canada, I mean, we're, we're never really, we're never going to match you guys. I mean, you guys strictly have an advantage on us just from a, a sheer population standpoint. Um, but I think if you start looking at athletes that are being drafted and, and going to the NBA, um, you know, we, we, we can put together a pretty solid group on the men's and women's side where it's kind of, you know, the way I look at it. And when I talk to people, it's like, it's uh, the, the equivalent of, of, of hockey for us where um, at the Olympics and at the Worlds, we Canada can probably produce three teams that can that can compete and 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 go for a medal where I think uh, the states you guys can easily produce three or four or five teams that can buy buy for medals on the, on the basketball side. so uh, but I think uh, we're we're doing a, a better job of, of mm-hmm. catching up and, uh, and and competing that way and it just it shows in the draft and it shows in and different things. So hopefully our goal, we're about an hour, Barry's about an hour and 10 minutes from Toronto. And so we're hoping, because uh, the WNBA is talking about expansion. So we're, we're hoping our, our boy Drake is going to, is going to bring us <laughs> into Toronto. So yeah. yeah, there you go. I like that. Yeah. I like that a lot. <laughs> awesome. Now I know there's, there's a couple little more pieces I'm going to get to, but I, I'll weave <laughs> them in here into this concluding segment here. So let me start mm-hmm. with this first question, coach. When you think back, under mm-hmm. your coaching career, um, what is a coaching moment of, from your coaching career that you think others listening would be able to learn from? Um, I think, I think just being true to yourself. And I know I kind of touched on this before with values, but I think as the game has evolved, I think how coaching, the application of coaching, has evolved. And I think we can't do things just because it was how we were coached. Or we can't communicate in a way just just because how you know your your coach communicated with you. I think that's just a, a really bad trap to get into. I think it's important that that you as a coach reflects you as a person, mm-hmm. um, and don't try and be somebody you're not. Again, uh, authenticity is so so important. And just because you see a video on this on Instagram or that on YouTube or or a coach said this or that, like don't be someone you're not and don't try and act a certain way because a, a really successful coach act a certain way. Um, you need to be yourself. And I think that's, that's really, really important and you'll have a lot more success that way. So, so be true to yourself, be humble that way. Um, it's also really, really important that you teach what you believe in. Um, if you don't believe in it, then don't teach it. So whatever it is, it doesn't matter. I mean, it, you, you brought up the pack line defense. If you don't believe in it, don't teach it. 
yeah. um, from an offensive standpoint, whatever it is, if you don't believe in it, don't teach it. Don't just run things because another successful coach ran it and they had success. If, 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 you, don't, if you don't believe in it and you don't understand the minute uh, running of it, then it's, it's never going to be any good. Right. Yeah. So, so find out, find out things that, that you believe in. Um, also take the time to develop relationships because you never know who you're talking to. You never know how they may be able to support you um, in the future. We have an athlete with us uh, who came to us from a prep school and she ended up with us because I was at a, a tournament and I ended up standing next to uh, one of her prep school coaches and we just got chatting and we exchanged numbers. And next thing you know, this I'm, I'm recruiting one of his players and that's, that's 100% how she ended up with us just by, by, by developing relationships and, and talking to people. So I think that's, um, that's really, really important. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. I really like the idea of like, you know, if what you believe in or what you're going to do, like, like, no, like kind of like we talked about values, right? Like believe in those values, mm -hmm. but also the systems or whatever it is you want to run, like believe in that and also know it and be passionate about it as well. Like, you know, what, what, what be about whatever you're going to be about, I suppose is a nice yeah. way to. And also that. don't, don't, don't be scared to be wrong. I mean, I'm wrong all the time. Like whether it's um, our athletes are seeing something from a different perspective or something, you know, it happens to me all the time something makes really, really good sense in my head and yeah. it seems like a really good idea. Then they, once you go through the application process, it, it's, it, sometimes it can be a tire fire or sometimes it can be a mediocre idea. Um, and I think it's important to, to make yourself vulnerable and for the athletes to see that because, you know, if you can't expect them to play uh, kind of free basketball where they're, they're, they're not scared to make a mistake, if you're not scared to make, make a mistake as well, yeah. And so, so don't be scared to try new things, but don't be scared to be wrong. And, and don't be scared to, I mean, I just think, I think humility is just so important. And I think sometimes there's, there can be a barrier between coaches and athletes because of whatever, like one of the things I do every single day, and this is something I started like years and years and years ago, and it would just get me into the, the headspace of, of coaching is I, uh, I sweep the floor before every practice. And this is something that just gets me into the right mindset of, of practice. And so when I first came to Georgia and I was, you know, our first practice, I'm there and I'm sweeping the floor, the amount of athletes that or even um, athletes and, and people working at, at the college running up and, Hey coach, I got it. I got it. I got it. I'm like, dude, I'm good. I'm not, I'm not too good to push a broom. I like doing this. Like, like this is my time. So, mm. um, you know, like just, I think that's, that's really important as well. Like, you know, Again, just to kind of come full circle, don't don't ask anything of your athletes that you're not willing to do yourself. Yeah, no, no, no that's that, that's a great way to put it. I like that. You know, I'm not. I, I like pushing the broom. It's something yeah. I like to do. Yeah, don't take this from me. Totally. <laughs> you know, it's it, and it kind of all started from transitioning from the classroom to the gym and just changing your your headspace that way. And and I just I don't know. I don't know. I just I like it. I just, yeah, it's yeah, my yeah. time, it gets me ready. And so now what happens is, is it's a, uh, it turns into a, not so much a, a stop and chat, but it turns into kind of a, a sweep and chat where, where athletes will kind of tag along and it'll be a good, you know, moment where we can have 30 seconds, 45 seconds, a minute of just a quick chat and a quick uh, check-in on how their day's going, or, you know, I can gauge and what their mindset is going into practice. And so it's kind of evolved uh, mm -hmm. into that way as well. So that's awesome. Um, yeah, totally. 
Cool. Very cool. All right. Now I want to give you before I'm, uh, this is going to be probably a little bit different because usually I end with the 60 second soapbox. There's still <laughs> a couple more things that, that yeah, yeah. I want to touch on it. I don't know what you're necessarily going to touch on, on this soapbox. So I'm going to give that to you first and then we'll see if we got a couple other things we are going to pick your brain over, but I do give every guest a 60 second soapbox though. You're never going to be timed on it uh, where you can get out <laughs> kind of a, just maybe a, a different idea, different, different mm -hmm. message, just some sort of a, different thought that you want to maybe maybe bring out that that we haven't talked about yet so i'm going to give you the floor for that and then we'll we'll see what else what other little bits maybe we got to touch on before we wrap up so go ahead Perfect, coach yeah. i'll give you the floor here first appreciate it so i think uh i think what i'm gonna i'm gonna go on here is i just want to open up and present the option of of for athletes to come up and play up here in canada um i think it's an ex a very very viable option especially those athletes who are not in a situation where they're receiving a, a full scholarship. So, so especially for those athletes that will be paying their way, uh, playing up here in Canada is a absolutely fantastic option for a bunch of different reasons. Uh, one, we, we, we play great basketball up here. Uh, we've talked about the FIBA rules, so we get to play under that. But also a couple of the differences is you get to play for five years up here in Canada. Uh, we don't require SATs or any of those uh, tests that play up here. Um, but the big advantage, especially if an athlete is paying their own way, is our tuition in Canada. And I think I have a kind of an understanding of, of kind of what tuition costs in the States. Um, but our tuition up here in Canada, I mean, you can do an undergrad degree for 20,000 for all four years, 20,000 to, you know, depending on your program, 20,000 to 27,000 for four years. Um, so that automatically makes it more economical. But if you factor in the exchange rate of the American dollar to the US dollar, I mean, right now it's, I think the exchange rate is 25%. So everything up here is 25% off for, for an American. So if you go to the bank and you give them a thousand American dollars and you ask them to be converted into a Canadian dollar, they're gonna give you uh, 1,250 back. So that's, uh, that's automatically gonna bring things down as well. Um, we have great academic institutions up here at both the university and, and college level. Uh, it's a great experience, but I think the, the main thing is, is if you are an athlete who is paying their own way, uh, you can save yourself a lot of money by coming, playing up here. You can play for five years, no SATs. Um, and there's nothing, a, a degree from, I mean, we have top uh academic institutions so your your degree has yeah. full value that is recognized throughout the world um you know we we have top universities here we have uh universities that are known for for medicine we have universities that are known for kinesiology and things like that so it's a really really great option that i don't think a lot of student athletes know about and of course if you are receiving a full scholarship then absolutely go take advantage of that but if you're an athlete that will be paying their own way, um, really put some thoughts into possibly coming north of the border. You, you could save yourselves tens of thousands of, of dollars, which in the long run um, is huge. Are you ready for your uh, phone phone to start blowing off the hook now? Now that you've let that out there, am I, am I... <laughs> I, oh, would, I would I would awesome. I would absolutely love it. Um, yeah, I'm sure my info will be out there, but absolutely. Um, come check us out at, at Georgian. I mean, so it falls under an international student. 
but uh, yeah, we got great opportunities and, and worst case scenario, I mean, worst case, just explore, explore an option. If it doesn't work out and it's not a good fit for you, at least you say you can, you explored it and you, you know, you, you've exhausted all options before you start writing those big checks in the States. Yeah, sure. Do yourself a favor. Now, normally yeah. this is where we'd wrap up, but coach, I know you wanted to shout out uh, <laughs> the, 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 the women's game and, and yeah. some of the coaches there on the, on, on the women's side. And, and I promise you listeners, I did not make him do this just because I coach women. This yeah. is something he wanted to talk about on yeah. his own volition. So I'm, I want to give yeah. you this separate second floor <laughs> coach to talk about uh, the women's game and, and, and what you feel about the great coaching that's going on on that side of the game. Yeah, I, I really believe that. Uh, some of the greatest coaches that we have in basketball are coaching on the women's side. I think if you are starting out coaching, I would strongly encourage you to start on the women's side. You can always switch over to the men's side, but in terms of your basketball coaching development, your basketball IQ, uh, implementation of systems, understanding the game, there's way more opportunity on the women's side. Uh, I think coaches on the women's side in game settings are a lot more involved in the game. Uh, you get to do a lot more head-to-head -head kind of chess match with with the other coaches and try and figure out what they're doing because it's it's a lot more system based. And I think a reason for that is I think I think uh, guys growing up they play a lot more pickup and they do those kind of things. Where it's not that uh, girls don't play pickup, but it's it's not as 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 big. So you you really have to teach and you really have to understand what you're teaching and the pedagogy of that is so important. So you as a coach, you are going to develop way, way more, um, especially come game time decisions where you, whether it's quick hits or systems or, or defensive pressure, or what have you. I really feel that coaches on the women's side are more involved in the game. And I feel like they have more of an input on the outcome of the game. Um, I will also say that I've, I've coached on, on both sides and like 90, nine percent of my career is on the women's side and I will probably always stay on the women's side because I, I enjoy it so much um, but I will say uh, that having coached both men and women uh, female athletes are some of the hardest working athletes I've ever been around uh, they're more coachable in terms of their acceptance of, of feedback or how you want to do things there's, there's kind of a less of a, a battle that way this is just my experience um, so we have I mean, the female athletes are just, some of them are just complete rock stars. I had one back in Calgary who uh, during mid-game took an elbow right to the eyebrow. So, of course, that's going to split open. That's going to start gushing. She went to the hospital, got stitched up. Uh, she was back in an hour and a bit and ready to go. In her, I mean, we, we didn't let her play, but she was, she was ready to go with six or seven stitches, ready to go. Um, so it's, it's awesome that way. But I really, really believe that some of the greatest coaches we have are, are on the women's side. And uh, I just think they, they need to get uh, this isn't this isn't for, for me at all, but I think in, in general, I think they need to get um, get their credit because uh, they definitely uh, will understand and, and evolve in the game and it's it's different, but it's it's awesome. I, I encourage anybody who's starting out starting the women's side you will you will develop as a as, as a coach way faster than on the men's side because you you if you're going to be successful on the women's side, you better know your stuff. Yeah, 
you're going to be a definite teacher of the game and, and, yeah. and do it and do a whole bunch of stuff. And yeah. And there is a very strong chance you'll end up like us and fall in love with it and never really feel like wanting to go back to the boys side again, or back to the boys yeah. or doing that. Cause you just fall in love with the way, not just the way the games play, but like you said, the players and the athletes and just, mm -hmm. just really incredible, uh, people there you know i just mm -hmm. i just thought of you know a girl last year and it was a freshman girl in high school who got you know split open above the eyebrow her jersey was covered in blood and she mm -hmm. was like oh i'm fine i'm fine coach and i'm yeah. like well thank you but no you can't play yeah. but she was just like yeah it's, it's it's fine you know let me get back out there like mm, no no but i appreciate the toughness a lot so yeah no, i can co-sign yeah that even for sure. e even at, at georgian if you're if somebody was around and not knowing that we were practicing and you kind of poke your head into our gym and just see uh, the level that these athletes practice at, our energy, our culture, all that stuff, and it's it's athlete driven. Um, it's fantastic, and it's so uh, contagious. Yeah. Uh, once you're once you're in that environment, you have no desire to go to go anywhere else. So yep. it's uh, it's it's absolutely awesome. I love it. Awesome, Coach Hutt. I want to thank you uh, for for spending some time. We touched on so many things related to international ball, women's basketball, shot clock, FIBA, all all that great stuff, and also, of course, talking about program values and how to straight stay true to them. So I know you're a busy man. You got you got a lot going on here. Your season's really kicking in next gear here in a couple of days. So mm -hmm. uh, thank you so much for for spending some time to talk about all these different topics. Uh, best of luck going forward and and really looking forward to continuing to follow you and, and see how the program does. Thank you so much, Coach. Really, really do appreciate it. I appreciate you having me on. And thank you guys so much for listening. This was another edition of the Basketball Teacher Podcast, and we will see you guys next. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Basketball Teacher Podcast. Make sure to connect with us on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter, or reach us directly through email at basketballteacherpodcast at gmail.com. Take care, be safe, and we'll see you next time.